You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, I'm starting a series on Romans. Now, you could preach for a whole year on Romans, no problem. Um, So my, we're starting right from from chapter one, and I've got, I have, I'm on my seventh message that I've got prepared already in Romans. So, so uh, um, I'm, okay to go on vacation and not have to work on anything, just all prepared, you know? But I have three messages on chapter one alone. So that'll give you an idea how long we're going to be in Romans. So we're going to take the good, the bad, and the ugly with it, okay? Just take it as it comes. It's all God's word. So, Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would just make your word real to our hearts. Let your anointing be upon our ears and upon my lips as I deliver it. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. I will read first. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets, in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Romans is one of the most profound books in existence. It is one of the most valued parts of the Holy Scriptures. Every Christian should know Romans, chapter by chapter and word for word. Should know it as it it relates to the church and to us today. Romans explains the, the greatness and the holiness of God the destructive and the damaging nature of our own sinfulness. We learn that it is impossible for us to get right with God without him. We can't do it on our own. Paul's letter to the Romans is best known for its revelation of God's graciousness his gracious actions towards humanity through the cross and the resurrection. 
Romans 1 verse 16 tells us that it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Romans is deeply theological, but it's not abstract. It, it's a call to action. And uh, Paul tells us how God's salvation affects us in our everyday life. It affects our wisdom, our honesty, our relationships, our judgments, our ability to endure setbacks, our character, and our ethical reasoning, all of which are essential in our everyday Christian walk. Paul always begins his letters with a greeting, and this is what I read here, 1 to 7. It's his greeting that he does basically in every, in some shape or form in every one of his, of his epistles. Paul did not start this church. In fact, up to this point, he has never been to Rome. But he's planning on going there. He wants to go there. And he's writing a letter in anticipation that one day he will be with them. And so he starts off his message, his letter, by introducing himself as Paul, a bondservant or a slave, meaning he was devoted to Jesus Christ with disregard for his own interests. And that's the way you and I need to be connected to Christ, the same way. He was completely at his master's disposal. His one goal in life was to serve his Lord and master, and he considered himself a bondservant. Twenty-five years before Paul, wrote, before Paul wrote this epistle to the Romans, he was on the road to a place called Damascus. And he's, his intent was to imprison Christians who were worshiping God, or what they referred to then as the way. They were Christians, early Christians. And Acts chapter three, ver, uh, Acts chapter nine, rather verses three to six, tells it in this way: As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly a light shone round about him from heaven. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goat. And he, so he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Now, 14 years later, he's writing a letter to the Romans and he introduces himself as Paul, a bondservant or a slave of Jesus Christ. The man who was trying to wipe out Christianity is now one of the leaders, one of the main leaders 
in teaching about Jesus Christ. Slavery in ancient Rome played a, an important role in, in the society of the, of the economy. Besides manual labor, slaves performed many domestic services. They would be employed at highly skilled jobs and professions. Some of the slaves were accountants and physicians. Some others, uh, were in particular, might be highly educated. The Christians of Paul's day would have no difficulty identifying with this terminology of being a slave. A slave in Jewish law is really a worker or a servant. Jewish slaves differed from the hired, a hired worker in three respects. He received no wages for his work. He was a member of his master's household. And his master exercised ownership control over him. A slave could be ordered into slavery to work off a debt. How would you like if you couldn't pay off your car you had to go to jail, or really you had to become somebody's slave and maybe work for the car company or something uh, for nothing until, you, uh, until the debt was over. Uh, but Hebrew slaves could only, be, only serve for six years and be set free in the seventh year. And so there was a provision for slaves who desired to continue to serve. And the reason usually a, a slave would want to continue to serve is because if, they, if a slave took a wife in slavery, then all his wife and all of the children belonged to the master. They were the master's property. And so if for some reason uh, the, uh, the man was set free, he couldn't take his wife and children with him. And so, rather than that, uh, he, would, he would say, I, I, I love my master, he's good to me, he's good to my family, and I love my family, I love my children, I love my wife, and so I want to stay. And so this is, this is what the provision in Exodus 21, verses 5 and 6, this is the provision that was made. If the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges, and he shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. That's a bond servant. A bond servant said, I love my master, I love my family. I don't want to be separated, and so he was a servant forever. The person then became a bondservant forever. And this is how Paul describes his relationship with Jesus. He is not serving by force. He is serving out of a strong bond of love. And really, that's us, isn't it? The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. The more you get to know Jesus, 
the more you interact with him in prayer and reading his word and worship, you fall more in love with him. And I've been serving him for a lot of years now, and I wouldn't want to be without him. The journey is just about over for me. But it gets even better. I've enjoyed my Christian walk down here. Because I live in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a Christian country, a place where religion is free, you don't have to worry about someone coming against you. They may come against you in words, but they haven't shut us down yet. It has been good. Amen? I've escaped a whole lot of heartache. The beautiful woman that I'm married to, that we'll be celebrating uh, our 54 years this year. That probably would not have been if I had not have accepted Jesus Christ. If we had not come into the family of God, we probably would not have been husband and wife today. That's a blessing. And when I look around and see my my kids, my children, and my grandchildren, and I have them all around me, and they love me, and I love them. That's a blessing. That's some of the blessings of, of serving God. I was looking on, the, on a, a, the web last night, an app that I got really, Jimmy Swaggered, and I was looking at, at Jimmy and uh, his, his cousin, Jerry Lee Lewis, and if you could look at both of those men, Jerry, from, from the time he was just a young man, 17 years of age, or even earlier than that, he was serving God. Made some mistakes, but don't we all? But Jerry Lee Lewis, he went to Bible college, he was gone, went for about half a year or something, got kicked out because he started playing uh, uh, rock and roll music in chapel. <laughs> but... You look at those two men, they're roughly around the same age. One man is just decrepit, he's old, he's old, and he looks old. Jimmy Swaggart is basically the same age in his 80s, and he still looks young and youthful. And that's another blessing that you have when you, when you do not partake of all of the junk that's in the world, that the world uh, broadcasts as something that you have to have to enjoy yourself. I have Jesus, and my joy is full. Amen. Now, that's not in my notes, and I'm all astray. <laughs> there is a, a, let me see. There is an illustration here in what our Heavenly Father has provided in Jesus Christ to set us free from the slavery and the bondage of sin. Amen? Because we were bound by sin. Even if you're not serving God today, you may not realize it, but you'll know how much bondage is in your life the moment you've been set free by Jesus Christ. Just as the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt, we were slaves to sin, and God used Moses to lead them out and to set them free. 
God sent Jesus to pay the debt by crucifixion so that we could be free. He made the first expression of love. He took the piercing in his hands and his feet and his side. The bondservant took the piercing in his ear, which is no big deal today, really. But Jesus took it in his hands, his feet. He had the thorns pressed up on his brow, and he took a spear in his side to be so that you and I could be the bondservant. Amen? Praise the Lord. Jesus redeemed us from slavery of sin. He endured the crown, the thorn, and the 39 lashes with a Roman whip, which was uh, no easy thing either. In 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, knowing that you were redeemed not with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of, Jesus, of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Sometimes a slave could be redeemed for money, but we were redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? This explains the grace of God as taught by Paul in Ephesians. No amount of money can produce forgiveness of the debt that we owe. No good deed or kindness can atone for sin. We can be the most noble citizen on the face of the earth. We could give millions of dollars if we had it to the Lord's work. We could do all kinds of good deeds, but we cannot buy our salvation because it is already bought. There's a soul sign. You can't buy it. It's already bought. Jesus bought it. And he gives it to us freely. It's free for the asking. All we've got to say is, Lord, I'm a sinner. I agree that I'm a sinner. Forgive me. And he forgives us. Amen? In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So there's no boasting. We're all on the same level. We're all sinners. And Jesus paid the price so that we could become saints. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm a saint. Amen? Every one of you who have asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart is classified by God as a saint. He looks at you and he sees you justified, just as if you had never sinned, just because you accepted the free gift that Jesus paid for your salvation, for your deliverance. This is a gift from God, and all God requires is that we receive it. And then he says, Paul called to be an apostle. Unlike other apostles, Paul wasn't with Jesus during his early ministry. That was the qualification for the first apostles to have been with Jesus on his earthly, earthly ministry. He was not among the original 12 apostles. He started out as a zealous persecutor of the church. 
He claimed to be, claim, his claim to apostle is that he was called to be apostle. He was called by Jesus. He was called to be apostle to the Gentiles. He was an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. No man made him apostle, and that included himself. It wasn't his idea to be apostle. The word apostle means sent one. And Paul received his credentials in his Damascus Road experience. And Paul became an ambassador for Jesus Christ, obeying the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And let's not forget, Paul was inspired to write over half of the New Testament. Unless we consider the call of God to be a glamorous thing, consider what Paul suffered. In 2 Corinthians 11, 24, 29, says this, From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. 39 stripes with a Roman whip. Five times. Considerably beaten up, wouldn't you say? Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings, often in cold and nakedness, besides the other things that come upon me daily by my deep concern for all the churches. Not a very glamorous job. In Romans 1, verses 1 to 7, we see Paul's strong, Paul's strong sense of calling and his resulting authority balanced with an equal strong sense of servanthood and humility. He sees his role as a servant, a bond slave to God, as a life of service to men. He sees himself serving God when he is serving others. Reaching out to other people who he knows are lost without God. And suffering all of these kinds of hardships in order to win another soul to Christ. He stresses that the gospel unites all believers, both Jew and Gentile. Jesus is a divine leveler brought us all into one family, the family of Jesus Christ. In other writings, he considers himself the least of the apostles and the chief of sinners. He never built himself up to be anything, just a bondservant, a servant of Jesus Christ. Paul emphasizes what he possesses in common with the saints at Rome, while at the same time recognizing his unique calling and ministry. He acknowledges being divinely called of God unto salvation, as we all are. We're all called to salvation. But Paul also has a specific calling. 
He's called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this unique calling and ministry is distinct from his common calling. And so, number three, that's my final point, is God called to be saints, called to be saints. His call is the general call that goes out to all people of this world. We are all called to be saints. The, it's the whosoever of John 3.16, whoever believes in him will be saved. He's not teaching us to follow his apostolic calling. God has a special calling for you as well as a general calling. In Romans chapter 1, 6 to 7, among whom you were also called the call of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We also have been called of God, called to serve him called to love and obey him. We are his bondservants, and he is our master. We do not command or place demands on him, because the servant is not above his master. So don't, we don't command God to do something. Amen? As servants, we follow all the teachings of Jesus. We do the Great Commission in various ways. We share our faith personally in our giving of our time and our talent and our finances to the Lord's work. That's a part of sharing the gospel. We extend love and acceptance and forgiveness to all. That's a part of the gospel. Freely you have received, freely give. That's what that means. God has done this for you. You need to do it for somebody else. God will do it for them too. But you've got to have that same kind of a relationship. But it doesn't stop there. We are called to work in his harvest field as well. Are you doing what God has called you to do? You may say, oh, I, I, I'm not really called to do anything. God's call extends to more than just church ministries. Hear me now. God's call extends to more than just church ministries. No matter who you are, God has put a holy calling on your life. You are called to meet a need in this world and in the body of Christ. You may be called to be in business. Maybe God wants you to help to finance the gospel on a worldwide scale. If that is the case, he will entrust you with much more than he entrusts me with. But he will give you whatever is necessary to fulfill your calling. 
If God drops a million dollars in your lap, it is not for you to consume upon yourself. If God gives you good health and strength and a good mind, it is not for you to sit at home and play video games all day. You need to use what God has given you for his glory. You may be called to a ministry of prayer and intercession. We could use some of that around here. I think it is a sad, sad, sad thing. And there's only three in prayer on Wednesday night. I understand people are busy and people are working. But prayer is important, folks. Prayer is important. How about being a carpenter, electrician, a power engineer, a teacher, a doctor, or a nurse? That's a calling too. What do you think our country would be like without a strong military? That's a calling. Can you imagine the world without laborers? Can you imagine the world without no taxi drivers, heavy equipment operators, and truck drivers? It's a calling, folks. It's a calling. Somebody has to do it. And God, in his wisdom, gives us that calling. There are thousands and thousands of people with a college education, that are doing jobs that are way below what they are qualified to do. But they have considered this to be a calling. And they are satisfied and content in the calling that they are in. No matter what your calling is important, and you need to follow it through. Many believers have let their life become so overgrown with other things that they don't have time to pursue their calling. So overwhelmed with cares of life that you can't fit anything else in. If you're missing what God has for you, that's a shame. It is never your calling that stresses you to the breaking point. Let me say that again. It is never your calling. The calling that God has placed upon your life will never put you, stress you so much to the breaking point that you go into oppression or depression because of your calling. That don't happen. You've added something else onto your calling. That's what stresses you out. It's everything else that we add to us, to our, our life. I am most fulfilled when I stick with what God has called me to do. Because that calling is vital, it is holy, and it is mine. It plays an extremely large part in God's plan and purpose for my life. 
Whatever God has called you to be, that is the highest calling for your life. Because you can't be more than what God has called you to be. Saul was called to be the first king of Israel. You know the story. He decided to take upon himself to perform the role of a priest. He wasn't satisfied with being a king. He wanted to be a priest as well. But God didn't call him to be a priest. God called him to be a king. God only holds you responsible to what he has called you to be. Eventually, Saul lost his kingdom because of his disobedience. Know your calling and be faithful in it. And as I conclude today, let the musicians come back. This is something we've uh, decided to do as well. We're going to finish up down here so that it gives the, the worship team an opportunity to get set up again. One beautiful thing about Romans is that we can find an expression of Paul's teaching in all the other epistles that he has written. You can hardly find a verse in Romans that you cannot find a verse somewhere else where he wrote something else, probably a little more expanding upon what he said in Romans. Very important. In relation to our attitude, our conduct as a bondservant of Jesus Christ, we have Jesus as our example. Above everything else, some good men, some good women, that you may know, are great examples. But people are people. And just when you think you've found a man or a woman that you can really put your trust in, they'll let you down. You'll be disappointed. But if you keep focused on Jesus Christ, and allow him to be your total example, you won't go astray. Philippians chapter 2 Verses 5 to 11 said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation, taking the form of, him, of a bondservant and coming, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Servanthood was an essential quality in the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. He portrayed himself as an obedient servant. And what makes it awesome is this. 
that Jesus had the ability to use all the attributes of God because he was God. He was God in flesh. The Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's speaking about Jesus Christ. He had the ability, but he laid it aside. And under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Jesus walked this earth and lived the life that every one of us can live. And so we need to use him as our example. We won't go astray if we'll do that. He often encouraged the disciples to become servants of each other because unity cannot be maintained without it. When we take an attitude that I've got more money than you, so I'm somehow better than you, or I am more spiritual than you, I have received some gifts that you don't have, so I am superior to you. When we do that kind of stuff, we just bar the Holy Spirit out of our life, out of our church. Let's look at it this way, as the Bible teaches us, that we are a body of believers, and... I don't have all of the gifts, and neither do you. But I have some, and you have some. And when we use all of those gifts together, we can be a strong, healthy body of believers that when people come in, no matter what the situation in their life is, they will be ministered to. Never look at one person and say, like the Pharisees said, I'm glad I'm not like him. We are servants of one another. I am nobody's master. Not even Effie's. Do you want to recognize, be recognized as a leader? Then follow Jesus' example. He said, if you want to be great, become a servant. I want to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And I want to be a servant of Colate Community Church. I want to extend my my servant role to the people of Colate Community as well. And whenever somebody comes to my office door and says, I would like to talk with you, I'm open, I'm ready. Because I never know when I'm going to be able to minister life to someone who is in need. So consider this today. To be a bondservant of Jesus Christ is the highest calling either one of us could ever have. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior today, why don't you come? I'd like to pray with you. You know, many times people put under under card, you know, I'm accepting Jesus as my Savior today, committing my life to Christ, and that's good. That's great. But, you know, if a woman has a baby, a brand new baby, you can put it on Facebook and say, well, I just had a baby, you know, baby boy, baby girl. But that's where it stops. She don't feed it. What happens? 
going to be a tragedy. Right? And that's what happens a lot of times when people say, I, I'm going, I want to dedicate my life to the Lord, or I'm dedicating my life to the Lord, but you don't follow through on it. That's a tragedy. Because there's more to serving Jesus than just saying a prayer. You need to hook in. We've got provision for anyone who is new in the faith to learn about the Lord and learn about his love, his mercy, and his grace and how you can be strong and, and what you can do to, to uh, access, the, access the, the promises of God. It's called a new believer's course. We've got Bible studies going on. Mark is doing a Bible study on Tuesday nights, right? Tuesday nights. And uh, they're for those who are a little bit stronger in the faith but want to be encouraged and grow in Christ, discuss the word of God, this, we have that for them. We have, if you're interested in hearing the voice of God and, and getting to learn more about moving in the spirit, Diane Harrison has, has a, a ministry at her home on Thursday evening, 7th, and... Uh, Marx is here at the church, by the way. And so that's another place to come, and you will get fed the word of God there. We have men's ministry. That's on Monday nights, and that's here at the church. Strong ministry, going great. I was through it last week. I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed. And uh, we have women's ministry on Wednesday mornings. And we have uh, worship, total worship, every second, every second uh, Saturday evening. And total worship is, uh, was last week, last night? last night? Last night, it was last night. And so the, it won't be next Sunday, but the next, or next Saturday, but the next one. Get in on that. Praise the Lord. What, what have I missed? I'm sure I missed something. Youth ministry, you got teenagers, man, Mark is doing an awesome, awesome ministry there. Koinonia, we have, that's another great thing for adult fellowship. I'm sure I, I should have had it written down because I know I missed something. Did I miss something? Did I miss a ministry? Children's ministry, every Sunday, while worship is going on here, there's no little kids making a noise because they're all out there. Amen? Praise the Lord. So we are blessed. We've got so many things that's available. Let's, let's take advantage of it. God has given us all of this. This has been dropped in our lap by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's be good stewards of what we have, okay? I know everyone can't get out to everything. Sometimes, some weeks I get out to most of the things, but uh, I don't want to wear myself out. I've got another two and a half years here yet, so I don't want to wear myself out. But uh, I love all of these ministries, and I'm so thankful to God for the people that are running them. And uh, we're always open to doing new things. So the Lord bless you today.
If you need the Lord as your Savior, if you need prayer for anything, you come, we'll pray with you. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for this service. Pray that you will bless everyone, Lord, that has come today, those that could not come, those that are on vacation. Lord, just be with them. And Lord, help us to be a strong body of believers that present the, the, the message of the cross to the people who are lost and dying. So bless us as we go to our different homes today. Bless us as we have a time of fellowship out in the foyer. And we give you all the honor and the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Okay, if you need prayer, come. We'll pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.